I'm a Sagittarius. <laughs> yes, I am a Libra. Love, love. Okay, I love all the mushy stories, the mushy books, the romance. You know, I cry at the ending when they kiss or when they get married. That's me, you know? <laughs> yes, you are my mother. <laughs> my mom yes. cries at everything. <laughs> yes, I'm in love with love. But what I've learned is that love transcends those good feelings. You know, love is is really shown in those moments that you don't want to show love. Right. Right. Um, love is shown in the moments where you don't feel like, you know, you have love. And I always say love begins with you. Mm-hmm. Because if you don't learn to love yourself, or if you don't even know what it looks like, you don't know how to love anybody else. 100%. So. 100%. Yes. So really quickly, I want you, before we get deep into, I wanted to give you 10 minutes to kind of just talk about what you've been talking about in your classes. Because you, as, mm-hmm. as you mentioned, you're a professor. And yes. we spoke yesterday, and you really spoke to me. So I just want you to talk about what we were we're going to, this is going to be a very back and forth episode, right. but I want you to kind of talk about what you see in, in, in your rooms. I was telling you about my experience in high school and I kind of want you to go through what you have been seeing or what you've been not projecting or telling people, but what you've been noticing in your world and in your community. Yeah, that's important. You know, I've been teaching for over 15 years now, so I will say that I think every five years, the the students change, you know, and I never say it gets worse or gets better because I learned something from every generation. Mm -hmm. But it's so funny because now I feel old because I have students that be like, I was born in this year. I'm like, you were born with? Like, when I was doing doing that year. But one thing I've learned, too, this generation is so powerful to me because, you know, I look at students from different generations and every generation has a strength and they have negatives, right? Right. Um, this generation is positive. I don't know when you remember this. When I was growing up, you couldn't get a trophy unless you won something. You actually like, <laughs> yes. really won something. This generation is like, give me a trophy for just participating. Right? 100%. No, you get like an initial um, you know, trophy was- and then a person who actually did the level gets like the real trophy. Exactly, exactly. Um, When I was growing up, you know, there was certain things you couldn't do. You couldn't talk back to authority, you know, um, your teachers, your, your, you know, parents. You know, now I even see it differently with my kids because they're like free thinkers and I want to encourage this kind of freedom, right? right? Um, And technology has played a lot into that because I was born at at a point where there was not really technology like that. And then I grew into it as I got older, right? All the dot-coms and the Facebooks and, you know, MySpace. I don't know if you remember MySpace. I do. Um, I was 11 on MySpace and my mom was not a happy camper about that. Yes. (laughs) But it it did two things. Technology allowed people to do their own, become their own knowledge seekers, right? Seekers of knowledge and truth. But also it sometimes gave voice to people who didn't really have knowledge, right? Because they were able to get a computer in front of them and research things and they had no lived experiences, you know? So I'm really big on lived experiences um, because it's easy for us to make judgment or to say anything about anything when we uh, can just research it and, and have data, you know, have information, but not have data, but not really, really have the lived experience of it, you know? Um, And so, one thing that I always love about my students is that when I'm teaching, I want to, I always try to find the strengths in them, you know, 
What are their strengths? What are, what are some of the things that I'm learning about this generation? And so I've learned that this generation is different. And so we can see it now because this generation is not scared to get out there um, being exposed to much more than I was exposed to. You 100%. Know? To get out there and say, we're not taking this. Mm-mm. You know, like I'm going to be out there protesting too. You know, like everybody is like... <laughs> I'm about it. You know, like what? Totally. I've been telling everyone this isn't a social media movement. This is um, this is a a real lot. I mean, like I said, there were people just marching on my street. This is real. This is happening. This is what we need to get in reality with. And that's why I have you here, because I think it's super important to, you know, we had a conversation privately yesterday and. I think it's super important that we continue, you and I both agree that we continue to open up this dialogue, that many people, and I wonder where you want to begin, because yesterday we talked, we had a good 40 minute talk, everyone, just on our own, just to, you know, just about people thinking, let's talk about how other races are sometimes scared to speak up. Let's, let's talk, I have an idea, why don't we start with voting? Okay, why yeah, don't I tell good. the story of my my voting story and why you think that people should do what I did as well? So I was telling okay. I was telling Shelley that I never voted when Trump was elected because I didn't know what I was voting on or what I was voting for. And I just moved to New York and I had no idea. So what I did was what I always do, which is I immerse myself where I am. So I am a regular volunteer at the Bowery Mission, the Pajamo Club. I I have literally spent my Christmases, my Thanksgivings, everything being with the community. And it's not, it's not that I'm there for them. I'm there with them. And I think that's something that people forget about. And I've had some of the deepest, best conversations in these moments. And I've I like learned what you said. That is so important that you're not there for you're there with them. That that makes it I'm there, I'm there with them. Listen, I I come back and I'm like it's like someone gave me adrenaline for the rest of the yes, two weeks. Yes. I'm like, you you guys think I helped you, but you really helped me. So I think for people mm-hmm. who don't know about voting, I and as we said, you need to go out there. You need to go see what your community needs because you really shouldn't vote if you don't know what it is. I know that everyone's saying Every vote counts. Every vote counts. But if you don't know what you're voting mm-hmm. for, what does it really count? You can't just vote. We were talking about shaming people into doing things. You can't yes. shame people into voting. You have to find out what you're voting for and why and for what reason. And so for me, we were talking about this. And I told Chalet that I had never that I didn't vote on this last major election because I just didn't feel educated enough. And after four years, now I am a voter. And now I you know, next week I'll be voting. Duh. And I know what I'm voting on. And I feel really passionate about that now. And I feel that many people, like you were saying, the dot coms, the this, the that a lot of people can do all their analytical research, but you've really got to see. And in a time like this, like in a time yes. like this, you really have to go see what's going on and really, yeah. and really put, it's really hard to put yourself in somebody else's shoes but you have to be willing to at least put yourself in their socks for one second. Yeah, like, I know it's really, really hard you know, to do that. You, you know, like, so that's so important. Not only that, I want to say this too. What I've noticed too is that, you know, back in the days, a lot of people voted because that's what their parents voted or that's what they heard. You know, it is so important that you find out the issues because I'm even listening to my students and my students will come to me 
um, and say, uh, Professor Baptiste, I don't agree with my mom on this issue. I don't agree with my grandmother. Oh, I'm not voting like they did. You right. Know? And I always say this to my students. I will never encourage someone to vote Democrat, Republican, Independent. That's your personal choice. 100%. Who you want to vote for, who you want. But just be aware of the issues. Because I, I feel like with voting, people do these one or two issue type voting. You know? Like, you know, I don't like this, so I'm going to vote for this party. No. There's so many other things that affect our lives. Right. You know what I'm saying? There's one or two issues. 100%. And you can feel passionately about that. Don't get me wrong. You know, I feel passionate about a lot of issues. But I look at the large platform when it comes to voting. And I think that's what people need to do. And we do have a, a mindful generation now where they're not voting like how their parents voted or how their grandparents voted. And they're saying, I don't believe the way you thought, you know, like right. this. I mean, I have had students that came up to me and be like, my parents are straight up racist and I'm not. You right. know? And they've just been honest about that, you know? Right. And one of the things that made me so happy, I don't know if you saw the likes of the thing on Instagram where the girl was like, no, mom, that's not. You oh, know, my God. I reposted that and I got so much like backlash for that. And I was like. That girl is standing up to her parents for what is yeah. right, and it, 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 yes, go go to go back to that video. Let people know. Yes, yes. So it was I, it was basically important. the video was a yeah, young. Maybe the way she did it was wrong because she just aired her parents out as being like partly racist. <laughs> but you know what? But, she feels strongly, and I don't yes. know how old would you say she was? Maybe like 13, 12, like young. Yeah. But she feels passionate, and she doesn't want you could in that video. She's like. Guys, we need to be anti-racist, and That's right. and it's it's powerful to hear that from a really young person. Oh my god, yes! And, and it's a life changing moment, and she's going to be a life changer. We need more people like that th that will stand up to their parents. That's literally what I said, but I will not. I'm going to be honest. I got so much backlash from reposting that. So many people are like, "That is not right. That is not how it goes." And you know what? That why did you think it wasn't right though? What was the reason? I didn't. I literally didn't even give those people the time of day. Like I was right, like, "This right. is what. This is also <laughs> something I'm learning. Is if I feel something and someone else doesn't." I'm not engaging. I'm just not engaging right. because right. it's just not right. worth it. But what I was going to say is, since we're talking about families and, you know, the, the arguments that this may cause, how, let's say, you know, my generation of my grandmother, she passed away already, but that's okay. Right. But how, how can we have these conversations with really opposing sides and not wanting to rip each other apart? Straight oh up, I don't, I don't know what other best way I to say. The master of not ripping each other apart, and we have to do that. Like there are people I vehemently disagree with. You know mm -hmm. what I'm saying? Like they are my friends. You know, what of I'm course, saying? Like, they don't vote like me. Okay, they don't even think like me. But what I will say is that if you come from a level of, and this is something I teach in my communication class, so trust me, I wasn't always like this. I used to be a feisty one too. You know, but what I always teach is that. When you come to the table, I teach argument. In my argument class, I always say an argument should not be like an argument, like us going back and forth with each other, like a debate. It should be us coming to a common ground. And maybe that common ground is, I don't agree with you, you don't agree with me. But it's important that we get educated on both sides. Right. right? Um, because a lot of people, the reason why they're so oh, like willing to fight over it, you know, is because they feel passionately about these issues, right? Right. So me as a Black person, and when, when I see a MAGA hat, right, it it makes me, something inside me kind of crawls up because I feel like, make America great again? Make it great for who? Because back, you know, 
if you go back 60 years, we was fighting civil rights. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. But somebody else might see that and be like, yes, I know. You're like, has America great. been great? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I'm open to those conversations. I had a student, and this is a great story. One time, a student in my classroom, she was a Hispanic student, and she wore a MAGA hat. And I mean, inside, I'm telling you, my my I crawled a little bit, but I loved the student. She was a great student, right? And she came, she said, Professor Baptiste, are you mad because I'm wearing this MAGA hat? And I was like, no, you know, I still like you as a person, you know? And she's like, well, just let's have a conversation about it. And I was like, okay, let's do that. So we, after class, we talked about it. And she told me that her mother was an illegal immigrant and and made it in this country. And she feels like that's the reason why, because, you know, both her parents were immigrants and made it. And she doesn't think, she thinks that all immigrants should be able to make it no matter what. Right. And they shouldn't be getting a free ride. And I kind of broke that thing down and we had a discussion back and forth and she understood what I was saying. And I understood some of her points. Absolutely. Very important that we come from a tool of educating each other. And maybe there, you know, there's a quote that says, if you show somebody half of the argument and they're able to take it home and swallow it, then you won part of that argument. So it's not always that the person will come to your side, but it's the fact that they can swallow a piece of what you said then you've done something. Absolutely. And I couldn't it's agree. Like and I, seed, absolutely. Know? And I couldn't agree with that more. And it's actually very interesting that you mentioned a Hispanic girl wearing a MAGA hat because, you know, I, Trump a couple years ago said a very horrible thing. I'm Hispanic as yes. well. Said a very horrible yes. thing about Hispanic people. So again, I think, as you just said, each person, each culture, each race has their own opinion about each thing. So it's really important that we all are careful with each other. And, yes. and you know, for that girl who is in your class, she may have the way that you said that her parents were immigrants and they made it. I, I see that. I see what she means as well. I see it. But we can disagree. And that is, right. that is okay too. But I do see, I, the, you know, we have to give people that chance to say, hey, this is why I feel this way. And and, I, and what I brought to her attention too was that her father was a legal immigrant. So the reason why her mother was able to get over here because of the amnesty that was passed by Ray Reagan. So that's not, you know, he passed that law. Right. And her father was a legal immigrant. And I said, oh, so do you got an opportunity to be at college right now because your father came here as a legal immigrant, made his way, but you want to stop other people? Like, right. Me, that was an oxymoron, you know? Right. So, it, go, so it, go, it could go back and it could go, it could ping pong back and forth yes, for a year. Yes. Believe me, it totally could. But it is really important to give people that moment to, yes. even when they're opposing the same, you know, they're opposing and being defensive and whatnot. We also have to remember that we live in America, a place of freedom of speech. And sometimes that speech isn't always wanted or accepted or needed, but we have to, especially with what the climate and everything going on, we have to be open to it all. And with that, and with that being said, willing to have the tough conversations. And I think that's what people are so you know feeling fragile about you know having tough conversations because maybe you know there's something that I need to understand I'm just because I'm a professor does not mean that I cannot be educated right that I don't learn things from my students every day I tell my students this I'm teaching you but you're teaching me too 
you know, a hundred percent. You're teaching me too, so it's a it's a reciprocal relationship, you know. Right. And so, I mean, I ha- like I said, my friendship. If I think as long as you don't make it personal, right, right, a personal thing, then I think you can really help someone grow, you know, and help someone. There's a good video on YouTube that I show my students in my communication class with um, uh, uh, it's a chef. I forgot his name. David Huang. I think it's David Huang. I think, yeah, yeah. No, send, it, I, I think send it to me. I'll post it on my story yeah. after so this. Chef David Huang, and he's talking to uh, white nationalist Jared. And what they do is, I love the conversation because they're obviously on two different political right. spectrums, right? But they're sitting down in a restaurant having a conversation. Now, the conversation's not perfect because sometimes one gets a little defensive, but nobody ever personally attacks anybody. Right. right. Look it up on YouTube, you guys. It's a good example. And it's and and, and it's also about timing and place. I'm not going to go to a protest and start, you know, a Black Lives Matter protest and start screaming about, you know, all lives matter. I'm just, you know, that would be bad timing, bad place, right? Absolutely. But, but they're sitting down having dinner, you know, and having a conversation about why they don't agree with one another. And I think things like that are important. I agree with you on that very, very much so. And I think this is a time where, you know, again, with so many generational gaps, people are going to feel differently. And we all grow up in different places and different climates. And as I was telling you, I grew up in a, my high school is predominantly black and which taught me a lot. I urge everyone to listen to my podcast about when I got arrested at my school dance and that we are all treated equally. And I went to a school. I don't think you should have got arrested. I think you think should have just let you have fun. Okay? Literally, I, I, I agree. But you know what? At the end of the day, it was about that. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter if you're president of your class, if you're secretary, who your parents are. It doesn't matter anything. Each person is treated equally. And I was saying to you that I actually didn't really see racism until I got to college because I never had friends who had designer cars. I never had, everyone was very similar. Everybody was always very, very similar. It wasn't until I actually got out of college that I, that I got to college that I was like, Oh, this is different. And I'm not so used to it, but that's okay. And obviously I loved my, I went to university of Arizona. I couldn't have loved it more, but it was just a different world just a complete, complete different world. So for me, it was a really interesting, you know, for some people they went to college and they, it was the first time they saw so much. And for me, I was like, Oh my God, I feel, uh, uh, I feel like I've had so much progression in my life and now I'm coming backwards. And it was a really interesting time for me. So, you know, one of the things I also, no, I want you to, I want you to talk I want you to get into your books before I get into like the deep questions that that a few people asked me and the few things that I asked yesterday. If you're okay with talking about, oh sure, I want you. I kind of want you to just brief your books, your studying, how you really got into this. You know, before we were going to do the podcast, we were going to kind of go into love and you know abusive relationships and things and whatnot, but we're going to skip that for today. So I want you, and that's why I brought up love because I think the best way to go about this is with love start with love always yes. always we're gonna start with love and we're gonna end with love because that's how I always want to keep my vibe 
So right, I want you right. to kind of give everyone a little bit of a synopsis of you, your daughter, your life, even how, you know, we were talking about peaceful moments to take for yourself. Like yes. all of those the things that we spoke about. I'm just coming out with a little short video about peace today. So stay tuned. <laughs> peace, yes. yes. Um, so go know, for it, my love. Like, yes. I mean, I have three children, actually. I'm a single mother of three kids. Um, and, I, you know, my life hasn't always been this. Um, complete, I will say, right? Dissatisfying. You know, I've had some crazy moments. I put my husband in bed with another woman, you know, almost lost everything, you know, just had some really devastating, I was, you know, sexually abused at an early age, but great parents, you know, so I did have a, a very good network of parents and friends and, um, you know, I'm a Christian, so I love God and you know, I pray and I meditate and do things like that. But I will say that, um, uh, my journey, my life journey has been so great for me. I would never take back anything right? Um, because of what I've learned and the people I've met along the way and how it's brought me full circle to a completeness and a wholeness within myself, you know, right. a, a process of me loving myself. And so my books, the first one is called Black Dress Sustained, just wrote, wrote at a time when I was really trying to figure out who I was. It's a book of short stories and poetry. And really just trying to explore this world of a young woman in a world, you know, who is Christian but loves sex. You totally. know, and you know, wanna, you know, find love, but I can't love. wait to read that one. <laughs> yes, yes. And you know, wanna wanna, you know, fall in love, but is running into some losers, you know. Of course. Um, you know, and just figuring out everything in my life and really not learning to love myself and then relive is me getting a little older um after children married and then looking up and my husband is sleeping with the mistress i catch him you know now i'm gonna have to restart my life and i feel like i went through a spiritual death but that spiritual death rebirthed me into a new life that was so full of joy and fulfilling and just at the time feeling like i was so scared you know, and fearful to move on from what? You know what I'm saying? Of course. From what you think is so great and it's so powerful and you need it so much. And then you realize, hmm, if I had just left 10 years ago, I think I would have been okay. Totally. You know, 100%. Um, <laughs> I think many women can relate to you on that one. <laughs> many. Yes. <laughs> yes. So realizing that, okay, I want to re-find out who I am. I want to re-love myself. I want to just do this thing all over again. And really just starting over, just putting a needle at zero again and, and rebuilding and coming back stronger than ever. Um, thank God. And and then, you know, actually, uh, Black from Scratch was birthed out of all the killings that was done years ago, maybe like three years ago, of Black people that were dying. And then me noticing this narrative that after Black people die, they always try to make it seem like they're thugs or, you know, like they're not worthy of life. Right. Because they didn't live a perfect life. Right. You know? And so I decided to do this book profiling Black people and their stories. And so I have over 85, 90 Black people. It's a coffee table book. You're going to love it when you get it. Oh, I and can't wait. It's just beautiful pictures and their stories, you know, clips, you know, little short clips of a story of how they've overcome or persevered, you know. And so I thought this is important to change the narrative of Black people. Is there a story? Is there a story that was told that you would love to, that you would share right now, just since? Oh, yeah. I mean, there's a story of, 
uh, one of my students is actually in it, one of my ex-students. I asked him to be in the story because he was an excellent student. He took almost all my English classes with me, but he got caught in the situation where he was trying to help his friend. And because he was at the wrong place at the wrong time, he got arrested and had to do like six months in jail, or maybe a year in jail, six months to a year in jail. And when I tell you this is the nicest kid, nicest young black man, sweetheart and everything, and almost saw his whole life. He, had, he actually moved, went to Nigeria to pursue a master's degree. That's where he's from. Um, but, you know, really just lost a lot of opportunity because he had this on his record, right. you know? And, and just looking at him from face value, you look at his record, you don't get to see the humanity of who this person is. But because he was my student for so many years, I knew who he was, you right. know? And this one mistake where I think he was, like, trying to get the police off of his friend, you know? Because it was an incident involving somebody else, and they just grabbed up everybody. And him trying to defend his friend got him in trouble, you know? And I profile his story because I know this young man. I know who he is. He's a great young man with a great heart, you know? And I didn't want that record to be his only story that he got told. Absolutely. And that's so you know? kind of you to, like, want that to not be his only story. That, like, that yeah. we should all have – we all have good sides. We all have got bad sides. It's really yeah. important to share both sides. Yes. Yes, and, and and to anybody else that may look at him, they may see this charge and be like, oh, I can't deal with him. He's a thug, you know? If he was to get murdered today, they might put out that he was a thug, you know, right. and that he did jail time. Um, but uh, I feel like, you know, that's incorrect because I know that kid personally. Right. I spent time with him. He was in my mentoring program. You know what I'm right. saying? Right. So just really looking beyond what is told um, than what is seen. You know, what what is sometimes, you know, the whole narrative that gets put out there by the media or by people that just want to, you know, just, you know, disintegrate a whole race of people and make them seem like they're less than. So Absolutely. And I think that's also why I wanted you to share a story. You can share as many as you'd like, but share a story because we... Some people only see what they see on the news, like straight up. Yeah. That's all that they see. They don't, or some people, you know, and it's, it's totally okay to not want to read up on things and, and stay informed, but to hear these stories and, you know, the racial profilings and to really give the opposite side, the truth is really, really important and empowering. And I'm sure you empowered that guy also to know that, don't worry, you have that on your record, but that doesn't define yes. you and your future and your life. Oh my God, yes. I said, that does not define you. I, I literally wrote him a letter. He, When he submitted the story, he was still in prison. He got out by the time the book was released. But I said, that does not define you, you know? And that's for any race, any culture, any person. Your past doesn't define you, right? Wait, Shalai, my, my, my sister just said, wow, I feel like Shalai needs to send the book with the story in it and other black lives that she profiled to Kim Kardashian. Yes, yes, I do. <laughs> That's I, not I, a bad I, idea. I'll try to find her PR person. You know how we feel about Kim Kardashian, yes. you know? Yep. But yeah, we won't get into yeah, that. Or not, that's not, that's neither here nor there. Um, but yes. yeah, that I just think that's, that's, I feel as though you have given a lot back to your, not just your black community, but to inform others. And I had this talk with you yesterday. I said, I don't want you to feel like you have to teach me or educate me or anything. And what did you respond back to me? I said, I love it. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> because I think that's the problem is that like people are scared. Even 
I was telling you the story, Alexa, about my white colleagues, my white friends been calling me and be like, I don't know what to say. I don't know what to do. You know what I'm saying? Like, and I think we have to be careful that people that are color, you fight any injustice because like I said, right now it could be our fight. Tomorrow it could be your fight. You know what I'm saying? So we have to be so careful and putting ourselves in a box, you know, and feeling like, oh, you know, people can't speak up. You know, you might say the wrong thing. And I think people are scared of saying the wrong thing, you know? And even and I said to you yesterday, I was like, I may say the wrong thing right now. And I hope I, do. how many times did I say, I hope I don't offend you. And you said, don't say that anymore. It's, That's right. You said to me, if you don't ask me, how are you going to learn? And if, if, and if you don't ask me, how are you going to learn? And you're from Colombia, right, Alexa? Sí, so de Colombia. <laughs> yes. Let me tell you. You know, it's so funny because we are not. We are a generation because we have the internet uh, accessible to us and everything. We think we know everything, okay? Mm-hmm. And I fell into that trap too. Like I know everything. I got friends as Colombian, okay? But then I ask my people when they say I got friends as Colombia, I got friends as black, I got friends as black. I'm like, oh, so that one black friend is the whole race now, <laughs> right? You know. <laughs> <laughs> so we Literally. can never be naive to feel like we know so much about a culture or the past or whatever. Absolutely, absolutely. So quickly before I ask you, you know, just a few questions that I personally had. What are some things that you would tell people who are going to potentially protest, potentially vote? Maybe people who have no idea any of the what they should do at all right now. What would you tell somebody who maybe is feeling, you know, like I said, this isn't a social media movement. This is a social yes. justice movement. What would you tell somebody who maybe doesn't want to, you know, do everything on social media, who is mm-hmm. going to keep it to themselves and to, you know, not feel, you know, I feel like a lot of my friends have been getting messages. They could be doing more and people don't know what people are doing behind closed doors. So That's what would true. you what would you say to that? I think that you know to me this whole public thing like this public notion that you have to publicly put out everything that you're doing is ludicrous, okay? I, I will be happier with someone who does stuff behind the scenes, who who really treats other races fair, 